But last couple weeks ago, Rick Rich had started this series of Building Life on the Rock. And last week, I, I kind of built on that and talked about um, the big picture of the church and, and how Jesus Christ came and died and bled for his church. Amen? Amen. We established that in a lot of Ephesians. We talked about that Jesus said that he would build his church and what? The gates of hell would not prevail, would not win, would not overcome, that he establishes his church. We talked about the definition of the church, and I'm not going to go through all of that. We really did drive home that Jesus is the head, right? And we're the body. Close. (laughs) Diane, you're always on track and on number. I hate correcting you this morning. You're testing my doctrine to see if I'm on track. We talked about the manifold wisdom of God has been made known by the church and the authority and the power that's been given to the church. So I want to build on that. And I promised you a couple things and hopefully I will get through them this morning. Um, What I really want to drive home this morning is understanding this idea of unity and diversity. That, that Christ has desired that we walk in unity, but at the end of the day, we are very different. That's a big revelation, right? I want you to go to John 17, and I made a reference to this last week. Jesus prays in John 17. He prays for himself. That's John 17, 1 through 5. You can read about that. Did you know Jesus prayed for himself sometimes? Amen. Secondly, from 6 to 19 of John, he prays for his disciples. He prays that the word of God would sanctify them, that truth, that they're in the world, but not of the world, that they'd fulfill their mandate, right? And finally, in John 17, 20 through 26, he prays for all believers. And he prays, which we could, we could make the, the leap for the church, Right? And his main thrust in that passage was that they would be what? One. That they'd be in unity. And I proposed last week that that prayer has not been answered yet. In his church. And I'm here to tell you that if Jesus prayed a prayer, it will come to pass. And so the question is, what does that look like? And how does it happen when we seemingly seem, a, a, seem to see the body in great divide and recently it seemingly is getting worse instead of better? But I'm here to tell you some good news that Jesus is going to unify his church. Right. Amen. Can anybody say amen? amen? He's going to have a church that's unified. And I want you to go to, and so I'm going to give you some keys to the church becoming unified. And we're going to find these. And there's a lot of scriptures. We'll see which ones we can get through. But I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Remember last week we were in Ephesians a lot. And this is a great book talking about the church. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 16. And then Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 30. We will not make every one of these verses. But we'll try to hit the big areas. But I do want to read most of Ephesians. 
because this really drive, drives home this principle of walking in unity in the body and Jesus Christ being the head. Ephesians chapter 4, let's start with verse 1. If you could pull it up on the screen, that would be awesome. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which were you were called. It says, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep what? The unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is how many bodies? In one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who above all and through all and in all. But to each of us was given a grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And this is an important part of unity for what? The equipping of the saints. who are the saints? Are. Raise your hands. Hallelujah. You're a saint. That's exciting, is it not? Yeah. For the work of the Ministry. for the edifying of the. Till we all come to of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Whenever you hear perfect, usually it refers to maturity or full measure to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with trickery of men in cunning craftiness and the deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow in all things into him who is the head, there it is again, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in There is a lot of stuff in there. But let me summarize it. He's the head, you're the body, he gave gifts to help the body to fulfill their ministry and their mandate so we could be unified or one. And as I said last week, whether you believe this or not or like this or not, you need other people. Oh, yeah. Amen? Amen? You need what they have to offer. You need what they bring to the table. You need what they have. We're going to talk in a moment a little bit about that fivefold. But let me go to 1 Corinthians and also give you a little bit of the same perspective, but a little bit different. This chapter is entitled Spiritual Gifts, Unity and Diversity. How do you like that? Let me read the first couple of scriptures and a couple more through. It says 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be what? Ignorant. He goes on to talk about them. Verse 4. There's diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Diversities of activities, but the same God, who works all in all. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given a word of wisdom. One is given a word of knowledge through the same spirit. Talks about gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. 
different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. We don't have time to go on all of those. Maybe someday we will. But the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, also is Christ. And he goes on in that passage to talk about the necessity of, of Jesus as the one that distributes. And I love verse 22. It says, no matter rather the members of the body which seem to be weaker, they're necessary. We need each other. 25. There should be no schisms or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. If one suffers, everybody suffers. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. It goes on to talk about again. God's appointed in the church first apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, varieties of tongues. Are they all? And then he questions. We're not all these things, but it says to desire these things. Then it goes on to the great chapter of love. I wanted to prove to you that scripture is clear that God desires and Jesus is the head, that we become a body that is one. Could you imagine if we began to really believe this, walk like this, and live like this, where would we be? Would anything be too impossible for the church? Can anybody say amen? amen. I believe with all my heart that this is one of the areas that you're going to see highlighted in the years to come of this understanding of the body, the importance of unity, and what it really looks like. If you got that, let me, let me give you a few keys that I can pull out of those two passages. What are the keys to the church becoming unified? If you got them, you can pull them up. If not, I'll go over them. There's many more than this, but let me show you some things out of this passage that I grabbed hold of. Love is one. That's actually number two on my list, but I'm going to give you number one. Humility. If I see anything through there is that being humble in what God's called you to be in, in a spirit of humility, in appreciation for others. Amen? Amen. And by the way, humility is not weakness, and humility doesn't mean that you cannot be bold in the things of God. Do you know that? Was Jesus humble when he walked the earth? When Jesus spoke, when Jesus ministered, did he carry authority or did he not? And they hated him for that. So we need humility in our gifts and our call. Number two, you said it, love. The greatest gift of all is love. Everything that we do, everything that motivates us, we come to church. We, we, we should be motivated. Christ first loved us, correct? Amen. The understanding of his love. But if we're ever going to become unified, this has to be a staple and it has to be lived out in a practical way. Does that make sense? How many of you are guilty of really not caring about other people different seasons of your life? That's really bad when you're a minister, by the way. That's a bad thing to have. But we're guilty at times 
of going through a season of being so consumed and so self-centered and so, right, that we lose our concern for our fellow brother and our members of the body of Christ and we're self-absorbed and we're self-consumed about us. And I can tell you, I understand that we all go through seasons of difficulties in different times. But the greatest way for you to have joy in your life is to really care about other people. Yeah. End of story. Amen. That's right. One of the greatest things that for me, at least, I've been privileged to be able to walk in the prophetic for many years. And it's a very, very humbling and scary, scary gift to walk in. Horribly scary. But can I tell you that the thing that, that, that just sets my heart on fire more than anything is when God speaks a word of life and joy and hope into somebody's life and transforms them. Can anybody say amen? amen. By the way, about 95 to 98% of prophetic words are loving, caring, encouraging, right? He doesn't rake you over the coals. He doesn't bring out all your insecurities and weaknesses and stupidity and, right? Everybody's hands are raised. And he could do that, but he doesn't do that. He talks to our potential and he speaks to us. And so it's a scary gift, but it's an awesome gift. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Along with love, part of the unity is appreciation for each other. And I have in parentheses, no jealousy. <laughs> what is our greatest, one of our greatest downfalls as a people? Is jealousy. If only I was, if only I was, if I was richer, if I was smarter, if I was cuter, if I was handsome, if I was... Um, successful if I was, and we're in a constant comparison with other people. And for heaven's sakes, now it's even worse with social media. All we got to do is find out how ugly and dumb and messed up we are because we see all the perfect people on our phone. Right? Yeah. You've heard me say this before, but probably for me, when I really finally came into a place, what I would call maturity was when I stopped doing that. Amen. I was very privileged for many years. Me and Chris were so privileged to be able to be so many dynamic places with dynamic ministers and in and, and big conference settings. You know, that was big back in the 90s and 2000. And we were just beyond favored to be a part of that world. But the downfall to that world for me was I was in a constant comparison of others, the way they delivered the word, the way they ministered, the way they brought humor into the message, the way they did their theatrical presentation. And how could I be more? And maybe I should. And, and it's, at some point in your life, you just have to be happy with God, what God has given you. And just allow God to use you in your format. And be okay with that. Can anybody say amen? amen? You've heard me make reference to, if any of you have never had a chance to be underneath the Joseph Garlington's ministry, you've missed out. 
And the reason why I bring him up is because if you want to see somebody that encompasses the minstrel anointing, the comedian anointing, the guy will have you on the floor laughing. And the ability to preach the word with such clarity and revelation, it's uncanny. And I would always go to Chris after and I was like, it's not fair the amount of gifts and anointings and talent that he carries. It's not fair. But God gave it to him for a reason. Can anybody say amen? amen? And so you have to come to the place where you're happy with what God's given you. And stop being jealous. Can anybody say amen? amen. If somebody prospers, if somebody gets favor, if somebody seemingly... Don't get angry. Don't get jealous. Just try to rejoice with them. Amen? amen. Try to encourage them. And on the flip side... When you're doing really good and God seems to be going favorably to you, don't look your pointy noise down at those that are struggling and having difficulties and nothing seemingly is going their way. You should be encouraging them and, and lifting them up. Amen? That's how the body should work. Is that, is that okay? Authority. Um, Jesus is the head. We talked about this last week. You're not the head. I was thinking about this the other day. How many of you know that you, what's inside the head? Let's do a little bit of science. Your brain. brain. By the way, what, does anybody know? I know we only use what percentage of our brain? What is it? Who said 100? I wish that was true. Does nobody know this? There's no science majors in here that study biology? 10%, 10%, I think it's around 10 or 12. They're still saying there's not a supercomputer in the world that compares with this. Do you know that? What God's given us. But when I was thinking about that, the brain controls everything. Now, wouldn't it be bizarre if you get in the car and your brain says, okay, hands, take the wheel. And your feet say, not today. The feet are doing the driving, not the hands. And all of a sudden the fight begins. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought it was the hands job. No, I don't want to. I want to be the hands today. That sounds insane. But sometimes I think that's what we're like. Right? I'm only a pinky toe. You know what's amazing about that? Go ahead and break your pinky toe. And tell me how life goes for you. Huh? It hurts. How's your balance? One little pinky toe that's broke. Chris hurt her toe a while ago and it still still hurts. And she still has issues with it. So one little toe hurt or deformed or has an issue. It affects the whole body. And that's a great picture of us. Of the necessity of what you bring to the table really is important. And most of you are hearing this message today and you're saying, but yeah, I'm really not that important. I hear you arguing in your head. And you think it's prideful for you to come to the place and say, I do have something to offer the body of Jesus Christ because he set me in the members and I want to do what God's called me to do to effectively link arms, right? All right. So the authority. 
I have an understanding the need to submit to fivefold ministry or ascension gifts. God has given gifts to the church, fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. Thus, let me give you, there's no way I can do this justice, but give me five, five minutes to go over them really quickly. What's an apostle? For me, and scripturally, it's a foundational gift. It's a revelation gift. We found that in Ephesians. I would say they're church planters. Does that make sense? Yeah. Look at Acts. As the apostles go out, what do they do? They plant and they place elders and pastors in cities. They plant and they place. They plant and they place. They're builders. The Bible also calls them master builders. They live and breathe to build the church. To me, they're all about structure. They're all about um, the structural capacity of the church. Uh, um, I would say there's a governmental anointing behind it. I've brought this out to you before. You read, actually go to, in Ephesus. It said that when Paul entered the city of Ephesus, it said that he wrestled with the what? Does anybody remember this? The beasts. Do you think that Paul was entering the Roman Colosseum and entering and wrestling tigers and bears? When Paul came into the city, there was an authority behind him because of his apostolic anointing. And he was immediately confronted with the principalities in the powers of that region. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And Paul said, I wrestled with the beasts of Ephesus. I went into a spiritual warfare to say, understand something, principalities. You may have ruled over Ephesus to this point, but now there's a new king in town. Now, Paul was not prideful. He knew who he was and he knew what he walked in. And he wrestled with the hierarchy of power and said, Jesus has come into Ephesus. And I'm going to come in and establish the church right in the middle of the, the, the most bizarre, ungodly thing you could imagine. You study Ephesus if you think it was a holy city. It was messed up and it was messed up bad. Can anybody say amen? amen? Jesus loves to do good things in messed up cities. He also loves to do good things in messed up people. Amen. Isn't that encouraging for you today? Amen. The apostle. Prophets are foundational gifts. They're also revelation gifts. Remember John was a prophet. It said he declared the way of the, uh, the, way of the Lord. They prophesy, they, they decree, they declare. We heard a little bit of today about... The power of the prophetic word bringing life to where there's death. Do you, do you understand that? In uh, Jeremiah, this is good to know this. 110, it says, see this day I've set you over nations. He's talking about his call. Over nations and kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's power of the prophetic. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. By the way, just a side note, it's different than the gift of prophecy. We confuse those sometimes. If you can prophesy, it doesn't mean you're a prophet. Do you understand that? The gift of prophecy is edification, exhortation, and encouragement. And so mostly is the gift of the prophet. But where it changes is that the prophet will bring correction and direction at times. Yeah. By the way, nobody can correct you and nobody can direct you unless you've allowed them to have that reign and authority in your life. Do you understand that? Yeah. Okay. You have to allow it. 
And you have to respect it to receive it. So they do have a different level of that. A perfect example. What happens? And here's a good example of relationship and respect. King David was, was pretty good overall, correct? Amen. We know he had a couple bumps and they were big ones. But while he's in the middle of this messed up state, who comes knocking at his door one day? Huh? Nathan, his friend, the prophet. And he, and he stages this whole story. And David says, who is this man? Let's take him out and let's do him the way he should be done. And Nathan said, not so fast. The boy is you. And he reads his mail and he brings correction to the king of Israel. And why does David receive? He knew it was true, but because of relationship with Nathan. He knew Nathan only had the best for him. He calls him out. He corrects him. And by the way, there was consequences to King David's sin like there is for all of us. Can anybody say amen? But I love that he, thank God he responds. Thank God he repents. Thank God he says, I'm sorry, God. What a wretched man. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, O God. The difference between him and Saul. When Saul was confronted, you remember the story. You've heard me say it many times. Saul cared about what the people thought, not about what God thought. That's a scary place for you and I to be in. When you care more about what people think about you than what God thinks about you, you're in trouble. Pastors, they shepherd the flock. You know that. Their number one priority is you. Isn't that cool? Timothy, Titus, read their books. The love of of, of encouraging and protecting and watching out. There's many passages. The teacher. Teachers build foundation. The teachers can teach the word of God for 95 hours and still be excited. You're falling asleep and you can't even see straight. And they're still loving to teach the word of God. Amen. Amen. We need teachers. We need evangelists, don't we? You think Billy Graham was a good example of a godly evangelist? They live, breathe souls. They care about reaching the lost. Souls, souls, souls. Amen. My point to you is. That you as members of the body of Christ need to be instructed and be equipped by those fivefold ministries. If you want to be healthy, if you want to be productive, you need all five. Amen. Well, I don't like a couple. I especially don't like those weird prophets. I get it. A lot of them are weird. We, We know that a lot of them have done some stupid things along the way. But I'm here to tell you, you still need them. Amen. All right, let's go to first Peter and we're going to do something here in five minutes. I want you to see um, first Peter. I'm going to talk a little bit about the elders and specifically the elders of this church. And they're going to come up in a little bit, probably about five minutes. And we're going to do something a little bit different today, which I thought was really important. Let's read 1 Peter 5, probably 1 through, I don't know, 6 or 7. It says, the elders who are among you, I exhort, and I'm a fellow elder. Who's writing this book? Peter. 
and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as what? Overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for what? Dishonest gain, or, but eagerly. Nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, but being what? Examples to the flock. And when the chief uh, shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people submit yourself to your elders. By the way, I don't think we just need to talk about actual age here. I think it's called talking about spiritual maturity also. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and clothed with humility. There it is again. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. Talks about casting all your care. Talks about resisting the enemy. Then it ends by talking about Jesus wants to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Here's the deal. God has given authority to the church, and God has given even elders to the church. And, and the elders, are their number one job and their role is to shepherd the flock, the people that God has given them. And as you've seen there, it's not to Lord and it's not to boss, it's to be an example. We see this when Jesus does the, the foot washing. What is he doing? He's showing us what his style of leadership is all about. You, a lot of you have heard this, the term servant leader. Willing to serve. Willing to wash other people's feet. Willing to be an example. Not being a dictator or a lord. Amen? Amen. I want to just be open and honest for a couple of minutes. So for about 13 months, this team of elders in this church have really gone through a, a transition period, both with the crazy, crazy, cra well, I, I don't want to call it anything anymore. I'm so sick, right? I'm just tired. But it's been our world. We've been dealing with that. Um, you know that we transitioned and Rick went from senior pastor to full-time ISA. We've had outside counsel along the way. Jimmy and, and others have come in and been guiding us and giving us wisdom. But at the end of the day, the elders have really had to seek God and get the heart of God for PF and the next. And can I tell you something? If you're not called to that, you should not want that. This is what I found. Most leaders that are called to be leaders don't want to be leaders. Those that want to be leaders usually want to be leaders for the wrong reason. Yeah. Yeah, right. Amen? Yeah, yeah. When you really find out what it's all about being a leader, you run like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> and you look at that scripturally, you'll find that to be true. So this team has been meeting. Let me just tell you one thing that I know about this team. This team cares deeply about this church. If I know anything, I've sat around the table with them, I've Zoomed with them, and at the end of the day, it's been all about the church. Not about us, not about what we think should be done, but what God desires. 
I went through, and maybe a couple of the, you could correct me on this, but I did some math. Probably in the last 13 months, and I don't say this for you to, to, for us to be prideful by any means, but I want you to see at least why this is a priority for us. We've probably had approximately 160 hours of meetings together. I did the math, Brian, in the last 13 months. How many of you like meetings? I'm telling you, there's been some Mondays lately, Kirk, that I'm like, dude, golf sounds so much better. Washing my car, cutting my grass. Do we really have to meet again? All I'm telling you is the reason why we've been doing this is because we care about hearing from God and we care about the church. And at the end of the day, that's all we desire. And I know, I know we're in transition. And what about a senior pastor? What about a youth pastor? And what about this position? Yes. And God will do it. Can anybody say amen? amen. God will bring a dynamic youth pastor. God will bring a God-anointed senior lead man. Amen. Or woman. I don't know. I've been touched by a lot of incredible women in ministry. And I'm surrounded by them. So I have to believe that God can use women. You women should be jumping up right now. By the way, you're in for a treat next week with Sylvia. She is the real deal. And I love her. I love her style and I love her anointing. So could I have the elders come up? I want them to do something. Um, we're going to pray for you, but I want you to hear from them. You know, I really want you to hear their heart. And I thought it was important that we did this as a team. Here's the deal. This team right here is not perfect. Do you hear me? But I'm telling you, we're trying to be everything that God wants us to be. And we're not perfectly unified yet, are we? Not yet. But doggone it, we're working on it. And we're being real with each other. And we're being honest with each other. And we're disagreeing with each other sometimes. But at the end of the day, we're in it together. Amen. 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 So, Ryan, do you want to start us out? He's probably been like the senior, senior elder. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And I did love you, you know? Actually, he, Brian, how, how many years have you been an elder for? About 20 years. So I think he might have a couple things to talk to us about. one thing I want us to take away just um, so I'm, I'm going to ask you to repeat this after I say it continue to create the culture continue to create the culture now what you saw this morning up here was the culture of PF it was the ministry that takes place here Amen. that we want us, the body of Christ, to have as our heart for this church. Amen. Okay? Amen. So that's the culture. That, that, and so what is that culture? Well, it's to create a culture where the healed help heal. Amen. So if you've been delivered, if you've been healed, 
you're part of the ministry. I'm looking at you guys right there. You guys have been delivered of alcohol and drug dependence, and you're teaching a class here. You're helping the people. You're delivering, you're helping, you're healing the people that need to be healed because you were healed. It's part of what God gifted you with. That's one of the things that, Greg, that, that Jeff's talking about. Good word. Which is where the healed help the healers. He I lost my notes here. Here's one that it's where the investors or the investees become investors. So you talk about investments, we think about money. But every day we trade one thing for money. We trade our time usually for That's money. True. It's it's our jobs, it's whatever. So we trade our time for money. But what else do we trade our time for? How do we invest our time? What about those 160 hours, okay? So for me, the guy that invested in me was a Lutheran pastor. I was 11 years old, but he took me in and he loved me unconditionally. He invested in Brian. He was an investor. Now, I was the investee, so now my job is to be an investor, to invest in, to give back what God's given me Amen. to the people here. And that is the heart of this group, is to be investors in the congregation, investors in the church. That's our culture. That's what we want to continue as, as we move forward. Jesus was the greatest investor. He paid the ultimate price. He invested in each and every one of us with his blood. And so I don't know, we can never do that. But as we move forward, we want to emulate that investment right here, PF, and in you guys. Thank you, Brian. That was awesome. AJ, are, are you, the, you the youngest elder? You're not? Yes, you are. He's like 12, I think. 12 going on 13. He's not. He's older than that. Sorry, AJ. Yes, I am an elder because I am so old. <laughs> and you guys want to be out of here by 2 o'clock, right? Yeah. So I'm going to use my notes so that we stay on track and we make it out by 2. So Jeff talked a little bit about unity. Unity isn't uniformity. Just because we attend the same church doesn't mean we look the same, we dress the same, we act the same. But we better have some concepts that we think the same way. So I just want to hit on three um, aspects of this fellowship that I believe are the DNA of the church. First one is worship. And you're, you're, out, you're down there saying, you know, that's easy for you to say. You can play the keyboard, you can sing, you can do this, you can do that. Worship is so much more than music, so much more. It's a lifestyle. And I, I hope that we can get incorporate some, some uh, teaching on worship here in the near future. But that is number one, um, part of our DNA is worship. Number two is biblical principles and biblical teachings. It's, it's often been said that we are one generation away, one generation away from losing the gospel. 
if we're not communicating those biblical principles, if we're not communicating those biblical teachings to the next generation and the next one and the next one, we're that close to losing it. So we will continue to preach biblical principles here, Sunday mornings, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, whatever it is, biblical principles will be a foundation of this house. And number three is a mission. I think the modern church, not maybe not ours so much, but the modern church has taken that word mission and they've kind of twisted it into this, well, missions is just overseas. It's overseas. It's overseas. Missions is right here in this room. Missions is in our local community. Missions is in our region. And it's overseas too. And PF has always had that heart of missions. But next week, Ann Van Houten's going to share um, some missions updates. I don't know if you know this, but 20% of what you put in these buckets and in the boxes on the wall goes to missions. 20%. We're not also in, you know, in taking money. We're, we're giving it out there. 20% of what you give goes towards missions. Some of it's local, some of it's abroad. But that's three main uh, parts of our DNA that I believe that I wanted you to hear this morning. Um, just going to say one more thing, and then whoever's next can jump up here. We talk about the body of Christ. You might not know what that looks like. You might say, what the heck is this? What, what are we talking about, the body of Christ? I just want to give this quick analogy, because this has come to my mind for years, and this might resonate with somebody. Um, you know, Jeff brought up the the hand doesn't look like the foot, and the foot doesn't look like the um, ears, and the ear doesn't have the same function as the eye. We all have different functions. How many of you um, ever cut wood, split wood, or have stacked wood? Yeah, majority of the people here, right? When you take a log and you split it the first time, it goes in half. Then you split it again, you split it again. But no matter what kind of knots have been woven into that tree as it's grown, your wood pile, your stack of wood might look different because you have all these little pieces that look different. But when you put it together, you have a full face cord of wood. Right, Mike? So we're all part of this. We, 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 we might not look the same, talk the same, act the same, but we're in it together. And together we form the body of Christ. That's a good word. Amen. Thank you, AJ. This is Kurt. Kurt, you're the new man on the block, yeah. right? So we had the 20-year-old veteran. This is a nice diversity in the... I mean, you're not young. We don't want to say your age, but you've been in this for a year now? A little over a year? Amen. Thir yeah, yeah. We brought you on right in the best time. We said, Kurt, come be a part of this, and this is all your life is going to be is eldership meeting. Are you excited? woo -hoo! Take it away, Kurt. I've, I've been in church leadership in the past, and believe me, like Jeff says, it's, it's not something you sign up for. But when, when God... I resisted for a lot of years in, in church leadership, but uh, when, when God touched me this time, I said, yeah, this is something I think I need to do. And uh, praise God, being a part of this eldership team has is, is just been a... We've struggled at times, but I'm going to tell you what, at the end of the day, we love one another, and we fight for one another. 
no matter what. Amen. Um, Brian talked about being an investor. Um, and I look at, at it more like the body without love, we have nothing. We're just a clanging symbol if we don't have love. Amen. And someone loved me enough to share the gospel of Christ with me and change my life. Amen. And it's up to us to love. I mean, we, we all have unsaved loved ones. We all have people we know that, that could prosper. I can't... I, I look at people in my life that don't have Christ in their life, and I, and I think to myself, how? How do they do it Amen. without the hope and without the love of Christ? How, how do they do that? And it's up to us to love them enough to share that with them. Good word. So that they can enjoy a relationship with the Savior and eternity in heaven. That's what it's about. Amen. Our focus each week is, is all of you. But it's not only all of you. It's all of them, Amen. too. How can we reach them? How can we bring them in? How can we get them to enjoy this? I mean, this is, this is awesome. Seeing life's changed up front this morning. Amen. That's just, I mean, doesn't get any better. Amen. And it's happening week after week after week. That's what we need. That's what we want, is to make a difference. And guys, I just, I just thank you for inputting into my life on, on a weekly basis. I, I, we meet every week. Yeah, it gets tiring. I won't lie. Um, but it's, it's necessary right now for us to do this, and God is going to bless us beyond what we can even imagine. Amen. He, he is going to explode. I believe us. And he's going to love on us. Good word. And I just, I just praise you and thank you for allowing me to be part of these guys. And thank you guys. Amen. Good. Dave. Dave, how long have you been on the team? I don't know. It's, it's been a few years. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not like Brian. The only guy that's grayer than me. <laughs> Probably better looking too. Probably, huh, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I didn't know what I was really going to say, but you know, we all, you know, we all come up here as not perfect people. We just want you to know that we don't come here to, as an elder, you know, you don't like Jeff said. It's not, and, and the scripture says it's not to lord over people, but we just really care and want the best for the church. Um, you got to realize, well, just like what you saw up here today is, was really, really normal. Really, really normal when Julie and I started coming here. Um, just a lot of ministry going on. And that's our heart for ministry to happen and for lives to be changed. Um, the other thing, too, is you got to realize PF 
has never been in this place before. That's true. It's always had a pastor. It was started, they never had to search for a pastor ever here. It was started with a pastor and people that started it. And, you know, just it's been never in that place. So we're at a new place here of, you know, everybody's like, well, when are we going to get a new pastor? When are we gonna... Well, you got to realize we don't want to rush into it. We want to find the right person. Amen. And, you know, I think Jeff and, and Rich, oh, Rich is not here. Yes. He's, he's also an elder. Yes. We didn't say that. So Rich Van Houten and Ann just had another grandchild. Yes. So they're down there taking care of the little grandchild. Well, not really taking care of it, but <laughs> <laughs> blessing their little grandchild with their presence. Anyways, so he's not here, but he would be up here too. Anyways, I just want to say, we not only pray for you, but we want your prayers. Amen. Amen. Because really, our desire is to find the right person or persons for ministry here. And, and I just think it's important that we as a church pray, too, all together. Not just the elders, <laughs> but really be praying about it, you know, because it's our heart to, we just don't want to rush into it and, you know, anyways, you know what I mean. So. Amen. Good word. Yeah. Good word. Thank you.